Hey guys, how's it going? I'm here with the amazing George Porter Jr. He's been cool enough to come and hang out with us. George, I'm a huge fan of yours. If you haven't heard George, you probably have actually heard George, but you might not know it, but he's recorded with you know Paul McCartney, Tori Amos, Dr. John, and a million other people, but he's the bass player from the Meters. You know, like, like that's how I know you and how I sort of like got introduced to your music and your bass lines and... Um, and I've been, you know, working out your bass lines and stealing stuff from you for a long time, so I do apologise. But if you rewind, how did you even get into this racket in the first place? How did you become a musician? I think it was, well, my mom was, a, she sang in a Catholic church choir. Yeah. And um, where we were growing up, um, the, our neighbourhood, you know, our life expectancy in that neighbourhood for young black men, didn't pass teenage thing. Really well. You know, a lot of a lot of a lot of my young friends, you know, didn't get to adulthood. Yeah. Uh, and the organ player uh, at that choir told my mother that um, she should get me and my brother into music. Into music. And um, and I think it's a good chance that you know we can be away from that livelihood. That yeah, you know yeah. the street thing. Little did he know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. music took me to the streets. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, um, but, you know, it was that, I think that was about my mom. He suggested violins, actually. And my mom um, brought home when we were like seven, I think, six, seven, going on oh, seven so you years started old. really young. And uh, yeah. um, brought these violins to, to the yeah. house, you know, and it's, it's me and my brother. And, and my dad hadn't gotten in from home yet, and, you know, gotten in from work. Yeah. And me and my brother was in the back. <laughs> and my, my dad hit the ceiling and said, get that out of here. <laughs> In my neighborhood where I was at, there was a corner house the next block from us. There were these guys played guitars on every Friday and Saturday nights. If they weren't gigging, they were in that house on that corner playing all night, smoking yeah, cigarettes yeah, yeah, and playing yeah. guitars and and everything. So, you know, you know, I mentioned to my mom that I wanted a guitar, you know. Yeah. And my grandmother bought me a guitar. A lot cooler than uh, I had. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> at eight years old, I got my guitar and started studying classical. Oh, really? So you, were like, it was yeah. a, you know, because the, it was a gut-head guitar. Yeah. And the teacher that I was going to, a gentleman named Hamilton Brown, he saw the the, the type of guitar I was dictated what I was what I was, yeah, yeah, was yeah. going to be learning. So yeah. he started teaching me the classical formula. Yeah. Uh, um, but I was playing country western songs, you know, I was home, home on the range and that kind of stuff yeah. to learn the formula of playing like this, you know, yeah. all these fingers. I was okay with that. I was okay with that. And um, uh, one day on my way to uh, my Saturday lesson, I, I took a different route because I usually, I was on, I was living on Padilla Street. Well, there was a bus stop at the corner of Perdita and Galvez. I used to catch that bus and go to my lesson. Yeah. But this particular day, I walked at one block, and I made a right turn and went to the next block up, and I was going to take the bus at Tulane and Galvez. But when, when I got to the corner of Gravio and Dershawal, I heard music. You know, so I, I kind of 
walked, I made that left turn instead of walking all the way to Tulane Avenue. I made that left turn to go that next one block, and I saw this guy and his grandfather playing, uh, um, sitting on the steps playing. Yeah. You know, the old man was playing this formula, but he was playing St. Louis Woman. Oh, you know, yeah, he was yeah. playing blues. So I, you know, I, I listened at that, and I say, man, well, this is this is what I want to <laughs> play. This was about play, yeah. this was a, well into a year of my classical country westerns learning. Yeah. So I said, man, I'm playing the wrong songs. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so the next recital, instead of playing, uh, um, playing, um, um, I think it was Home on a Range or something like yeah. that. Um, I played on uh, uh, St. Louis Blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, my teacher. He said, he said, don't come back no more. Just, <laughs> you're undisciplined. You're not going to ever be anything. Go away. Don't come back again, you know. Because they had all the programs all printed out, and I was supposed to play. You know, and I didn't play what I was supposed to play. So, you know. Amazing. Yeah. And when did, you, when did you pick up the bass for the first time? Well, the bass guitar kind of came, you know, all during the fact that, uh, um, you know, the earlier classical training, I was learning how to play bass lines. Yeah. You know, because that's what I that's what I was doing. You know, so yeah. I, I the bass lines came. You know, it was Vietnam, I guess, at home. You know, yeah. most of the younger bass players got drafted. I couldn't touch my toes, so I got I got um I got rated as a full F. Right, got yeah. It means that so you know the only way a full F would go into the military is if it was a war. Right. Okay. Then, yeah. Then yeah. Would, but they couldn't draft me. So. Yeah. I got bypassed because of the full F rating, you know, because I couldn't touch my toes. I yeah. still can't touch my toes. But um, I really want to check if I can touch my toes. I don't think I can touch my no, toes. No wars, okay? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, you know, uh, guys, they, they were called like Herbert Wing was a good friend, and uh, I played in his band off and on as you yeah. know when the bass player couldn't be there, I would play yeah. bass. Or I would play when he had to get a bit, he had a better paying gig, he would send me on his gig playing <laughs> guitar, you know? Yeah. So, you know, um, that's how I got pretty much. It's just, it was just a need. And I just saw, but also I, I realized that, you know, that I was a better bass player than I was a guitar player. Cause I was a rhythm guitar player. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the first time I met Art Neville, he, um, Herbert Wing sent me on an Art Neville gig as a guitar player. Yeah. And uh, and I was supposed to be playing lead and all that kind of stuff. And every time, every song, Art would look at me and take a solo. I said, ah, <laughs> "Me no solo." Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, so at the end of the gig, Art told, told he told me, he "said Man, you're the worst guitar player." <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got, got hung, but I mean, you know, I I knew that um, I knew what my limits was on the guitar. I knew I was a rhythm guitar player, and yeah, I was yeah, very yeah. happy with that much. But I never got called to go back on his gig as a guitar how, how old were you at this point? I was um, I was 15. Yeah. And what were you listening to? What kind of stuff were like? What, what kind of music I was listening, listening to New Orleans music. You know, Earl King's and uh, all, all of the, uh, you know, pretty much 90% of the New Orleans artists that was yeah. uh, being played on the, on the local station, WYOD. Actually, it was WBOK. Because right, WYOD right. was kind of playing some of the, um, you know, the crossover kind of music. Uh, WYOD, WBOK, strictly paid Fast Diamond or, you know, Earl King, Snooks Eaglin, you know. That's the music I was, I, I grew up on. Yeah. Know, that those were my people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you go from, like, obviously 15 years old, you know, you're crossing over, you're doing a bit of guitar, a bit of bass, and 
listening to loads of live music, playing loads of live music. How did you go from there to being the meters? Like, where did the meters well, come from? Well, art never came. I played a club called a Cindy Club. It was right across the street from a, a key club that was called Charlie's Corner. Well, Charlie's Corner was like the where the upper class, you know, uh, um, black community. You know, you had to have a key to go in there. You know? <laughs> well, it wasn't really a key. You just go to the door, you knock, and the guy looked through the little window. <laughs> and if he knew who you were, he'll let you in, you know? Yeah. Well, um, Fast Domino used to hang over there all the time. And Fast Domino used to come when, you know, at, at the end of the night and he'd get a good buzz going, he wanted to play. Yeah, yeah. So he would come across the street. I was playing with Irvin Bannister, a guitar player. And, um, and Fats would come across the street, usually about 15 minutes before it's time for us to go home. <laughs> and he would sit down and play piano, yeah. and we end up playing for another hour, you know. <laughs> Fats would just come and play and hang out, you know. I was playing bass on that gig. And um, so one of these nights, uh, Art came over with Fats. And he heard me playing bass, and, uh, and he said, at the end of the, after, after, by the time when Faz decided to quit playing, yeah. you know, and we, we was over, uh, um, you know, Arts told me, and that's the instrument you ought to be playing, you know? Yeah. And that's what it was. And that's what he asked me to play, play, um, play uh, if he wanted, if I wanted to join his new band that he hadn't actually gotten all together yet. Really? Which, so uh, that, um, that band um, was started off as being um, Leo Nelson Teleon guitar. Um, there was a saxophone player named uh, um, Gary Brown. Mm. Yeah. It was a five-piece band. The drummer had to go in and have a, a minor surgery that took him away from for about two weeks. Yeah. And during that two-week period of time, uh, uh, Zig came in to play, you know, to play those gigs. Yeah. Glenn was his name. The drummer's name was Glenn, but I never, I can't remember his last name. So Glenn came in that Sunday to, um, you know, to let everybody know he's well and ready and happy to come back to work. Oh, no. And he heard, he heard Zig playing the gig. Yeah. And he just, he just, he told, he told the owner of the club, he said, man, I'm not going to get this gig back. <laughs> you know, and that was the last I ever saw him. Man. Wow. wow. So, that Zig, so the gig got, or after this club called a nightcap, we played the club for about a year and a half. Yeah. And then the um, the club kind of just, I don't know exactly why it folded up or maybe Art asked for too much money. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but the gig went away. Yeah. We were off about two, two, maybe two weeks, and Art called everybody up and said, um, we got a gig on Bourbon Street. Wow. And um, so we went from, from Nightcap to Bourbon Street, um, the night, the, um, the, the uh, Ivanhoe. Yeah. And um, we played at the Ivanhoe and, um, for probably another year and so. And Alan Toussaint used to come park on on us on us. That's when you can drive down Burma Street. Yeah, he used to park in front of the club and listen at us play from outside. And he's yeah. sitting in his Eldorado. The, the little doorman used to always come and say, "Hey, y'all, your boy Cam. He was sitting outside in his Eldorado <laughs> listening to y'all." You know? <laughs> and um, we got a call one day from Art saying, "Hey, man, um, Alan wants us to come down to his studio and and, and uh, check it out." You know. Yeah. So we went down to the studio and uh, we got we went in and did these Lee Dorsey um, tracks. Yeah, and we got we got hired as Alan's um, house band. I'm necessary. We weren't hired because we weren't on salary. You know, we got paid when we yeah, worked. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. so um, so we did that for about probably almost a year. And was then, that really the birth of the whole? That was band, the birth yeah. of uh, you know because at that time we were still being called um, Art Neville and the Boys. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. and uh, and. At that time, um, um, Marshall Sihon, Alan's partner, we had finished a Lee Dorsey session. It was at Cosmo Mustasa Studio, and um, 
Well, actually, it was called Jazz City by then. Yeah. And uh, and and um, Marshall came in and told him, said, why don't y'all lay down something, you know, just play something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we played our break song that we were playing on Bourbon Street as our break <laughs> song. We did that one. That song ended up being called Sophisticated Sissy. Yeah. Uh, Leo came up with these other two licks uh, uh, that came up to be Sissy Strut. Yeah. We played Turkey in the Straw, which ended up being uh, Seahorn's Phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, I believe the other side of that was, um, I think it was Here Come the Meter Man. I think that's what it was, or either Cordova. I can't remember which one. I think it was Here Come to Meet a Man. Yeah, yeah. And like, when did it blow up? Because obviously, like, you guys ended up on TV and all kinds of Sophisticated yeah. Sis, it blew up. It blew up. It ran, it ran really high in the R&B charts. And uh, uh, and I think it w- it got into the um, the um, the pop charts, but then it didn't really high. I think it was the top one hundred. It might have been seventy something like that. Yeah. But you know, for a brand new band being up in the seventies, that was like a big deal. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and, and that in that in that pop chart world, but um, it climbed really high. It got above fifty in the R and B charts. So um, Marshall immediately, like maybe. Three weeks after they put that record out, Sophisticated Sissy, he stuck out Sissy Strut. And Sissy Strut went, climbed, climbed the roof, you know, yeah, did, yeah, did yeah, the yeah. thing, you know. Yeah, because you guys ended up opening for, like, the Rolling Stones, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, we, we opened up for the Rolling Stones. <laughs> um, we, um, we did two tours with those guys, 75. 75 was a U.S. tour. Yeah. Then we came to Europe in 76 and did, you know, did the whole 93 days on the road with the Stones. Amazing. It was Good experience. Nuts. It was crazy. Yeah. How old were you when you did that? <laughs> oh, well, 75. I was born in 47. <laughs> never do yeah, my fucking camera. Never, like never do my fucking camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About 30 years old. <laughs> Amazing. And what are you doing now then? Because obviously the meters disbanded, didn't they? And you've had like various bands of your own. Yeah. Like, what are you concentrating on now? Well, right, right now in my immediate life, I'm doing, I'm doing my running partners band. I've done a solo project that ended up, I mean, I took it away from being a solo project and called it a Porter Trio, yeah. which is um, the keyboardist Mike Limler from The Running Partners and also the drummer from The Running Partners, Terrence yeah. Houston. And we do a trio gig. Yeah. And we've been doing a gig every Monday when I'm home at the Maple Leaf at home. And um, and it was just it was just, it was started off kind of being an instrumental fusion kind of kind of jazz fusion kind yeah. of thing, funk fusion maybe. Yeah. And um, you know, and some of the songs I was writing, you know, was, 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 people were telling me, "Say, man, that song can use some lyrics," you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, so some of those songs got lyrics, and now, you know, I'm learning how to sing. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so if somebody's in New Orleans, where, where should they go to like check you out? Well, when you're in New Orleans, the Maple Leaf on Monday nights, yeah. absolutely. We, we whenever I'm home, every week I'm home. Maple Leaf, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and I, play, you know, I play some of the other clubs. I do DBA when you know, yeah. not as often, um, you know, because they, you know, they have a a, rot- a rotating thing. They do month. You might get in there oh, one yeah, month, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. be a month away, and then you get back in there. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's usually on the weekends. And Tipitina's is every maybe three months. I might get a, a right, date okay, in there. Yeah, you know, yeah. never, never. But the Maple you know. Leaf is the one. Yeah, the to Maple go Leaf yeah. is like my home base, sort of. You know. And well, my, I, I like that more than anything because it's it's not it's an easy going. It's not, you know, you don't have to. You know, I actually sit on a stool and play the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. it's like it's not like um, 
you're being pressured into having to do a certain type of performance. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, people are not hitting on you to be playing a bunch of old songs. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do the second set. I usually pull out stuff like, um, you know, sound like um, sitting on the dock of the bay, some yeah, of that kind of. Yeah, and I go yeah, way yeah. back, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and have fun with some of the orders already and stuff and that stuff. Oh, but um, for the most part, the first probably the first hour and so of the gig was, you know we're playing off the top of our heads you know amazing well guys like thank you so much for coming thank you so much George oh, oh, I can't believe you thanks, thanks for inviting thanks so me. much for coming yeah, along right. guys George Porter Jr yeah, rock right. I'm going to let his band take it away now and do their thing